Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jacqueline Thornhill, and I am honored to serve as the 97th president. Our club focuses on youth, children's literacy, and we support our active duty military and veterans. We meet on Thursdays at Lowry's at noon. For more information, please visit LasVegasRotary.com or follow us on Facebook at Las Vegas Rotary Club founded 1923, where you can watch a live stream of our weekly meetings. Please enjoy this week's speaker. Thank you, President Jackie. Fellow Rotarians, for the last year, Daniel has attended our meetings as he is the instructional coach at Will Beckley Elementary School. Daniel was the recipient of the Rotary Ambassadorial Scholarship in 2011-2012, which is now known as the Global Grant Scholarship. When I heard of his many accomplishments, I suggested he speak to our membership about his Rotary involvement so we may better understand and be more aware of this wonderful scholarship and what it brings to our youth. Please help me. His bio is in the wheel, and I'd like you all to read it because it is quite impressive. I am honored and proud to introduce to you Daniel Lyles. So good afternoon. My name is Daniel Lyles, and I was the 2012 Ambassadorial Scholar uh, from District 5240, which is Thousand Oaks. Um, I'm also currently an instructional coach at Will Beckley Elementary School. Before I get started, I have to thank President Jackie for this opportunity to speak at the club. Um, I have to thank Marie, because she's Marie, and her legacy of being a tireless education advocate is inspiring. I think for me and for all of us, we can agree. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't thank our fearless leader, uh, Shannon Brown and Eugene Toyama. Their leadership at our school is taking uh, some transformations that are unbelievable and is also inspiring for me, so thank you. So I was asked today to to talk a little bit about the ambassadorial scholarship, the components that are there, and my experience uh, in India. It really has three components when I went through it in 2012, and it's pretty similar to the Global Grant Scholarship that's happening now. Uh, The investment from Rotary is $30,000. And with that investment, uh, they ask you to be an ambassador of goodwill. They ask you to participate in postgraduate academic study related to one of the six areas of Rotary's focus. And my district required that I did a humanitarian project with the funding that they provided. Um, So I chose India as my host country. And my area of study was sustainable development. And my humanitarian project dealt with education and sanitation, which is a large part of where I'm at today Um, in the field that I am. Um, Before I went to India, a Rotarian stopped me and said, goodwill is a two-way street. You're going to receive as much as you're willing to give away. And when I landed in India, uh, I found out there's no such thing as a two-way street. Uh, India is beautifully chaotic. This was me one weekend uh, riding a bike rickshaw across the street. and praying I got to the other side safely. On the right side is uh, a beautiful flower market of a picture I took in Calcutta. 
Um, goodwill comes in many forms when you're traveling, and especially in India. Um, the main form was my Rotarian host family. When I say that these people saved me, uh, I mean it. I showed up at 1.30 in the morning after being delayed 12 hours and my bags being lost in Chicago. They picked me up from the airport and they said, you can stay as long as you need and we'll feed you as long as you need to be fed. Um, I stayed there for two weeks. I lost 14 pounds in two weeks because of culture shock, uh, the Delhi heat, and I just wasn't eating because I, just, um, I was afraid to, to be honest, to get sick. But don't worry, I've gained it all back, uh, and I'll tell you how in a minute. Um, once I found my own place, they made me call them every Sunday to check in to make sure I was okay. And if I didn't call, they sent their driver over to my house to make sure I was still there. Um, they became like family to me. And it's not unlike my relationship with Rotarians all over the world that I have. Um, goodwill also came from speaking at clubs. I had the opportunity to speak over 20 different clubs. And the exchange of ideas and thoughts and fellowship um, was a form of goodwill that was unexpected and still happens today. Uh, some of those relationships happened informally. I had the opportunity to meet um, the Rotary International President, Kalyan Banerjee, and we had a great conversation about the future of Rotary and how youth play a pivotal role in that, um, in that future. I'm glad we showed that video earlier of the Gates Foundation because one of the most powerful experiences that I had was on the multiple polio vaccination missions that we went on. Um, there's a moment when a parent brings their child to you, to the clinic, in hoping that you can help cure them or hoping that you can help prevent a disease that wreaks havoc on bodies of children. And um, I'll never forget these moments. Uh, goodwill is also about embracing new culture. Um, and being open and new, to new experiences, like seeing sites that you've only dreamt of seeing or riding animals that you've never dreamt of that you were going to ride in the middle of a desert. Um, celebrating new religious traditions and festivals. Uh, on the right was Holy, which is a celebration of spring. And uh, what I didn't know was that part of that is having these wonderful balls of colored powder and mixed with water thrown in the air and sometimes directly at your face uh, to celebrate this beautiful spring. On the left is Diwali, uh, Festival of Lights. Um, my host family invited me to their private ceremony at their home. It was very intimate, it was very personal, and um, they allowed me to light some of their candles. So I, the, I lived on the third story of a family home, a Jane family home, and after four or five months, I got to know them pretty well, so well that they invited me to their daughter's wedding, which I learned a very important lesson about Indian time at that uh, wedding. The invitation said 6 p.m. And so we got ready. That's my wonderful wife, uh, Blythe. And we arrived promptly at 6 p.m. to nobody. No one was there except the people still setting up the wedding. Um, so we sat and waited for three hours. Uh, at one point, we considered just helping them set up because we didn't know what else to do. And eventually, they came, and we learned a very valuable lesson of, that you always show up three hours past whatever time you're told. Um, part of embracing culture is, is uh, riding like the locals do. This is called an auto, or what became known as a near-death mach uh, experience machine, because they weave in and out of traffic, and if your arms and legs aren't in, you might lose one, uh, but this is where I learned how to negotiate. I will forever be grateful to the Ottawa's for teaching me that every price is negotiable. 
And that was a wonderful experience because a negotiation is a game. And at the end of that game, you become friends. And I had to ride every day 12 miles to my school in the auto. And I ended up negotiating a little bit of an Uber situation where they would pick me up every day at the same spot. Um, so that was a wonderful part. Um, I told you I gained 14 pounds back, and this is how I did it. Uh, this is called Ladoo. Ladoo is a sugary, gelatinous sugar ball of goodness. And I found it early on, and I ended up giving it as every gift I had so I could also participate in eating it with the people I gave it to. Um, but it was, it was delightful, and it was delicious. Goodwill is embracing new friends. I went to a school that was uh, comprised of all Indians. I was the only non-Indian at the school, so I had the opportunity to invite them over for uh, get-togethers and gatherings. And we also went into the field together for about two weeks to a remote village and did some community mapping. And then goodwill comes at unexpected moments. I, lo I love coffee. You should know that about me. And I find and I frequent coffee shops wherever I go. Uh, it's a creature comfort. Um, there was a coffee shop right down the street from where I lived. And after going there for three to four months, it got to the point where they would just hand me what I wanted to have right when I walked in. What you should know about this coffee shop is that everyone was deaf that worked there, except for the manager. Um, they had visuals that you could point to so you could order. Uh, one day when, when I was sitting there uh, completing some work for school, uh, some tourists walked in that were loud, but that was okay. They went up to the counter and they asked for the Wi-Fi password. What they didn't know is that the wife, there was no Wi-Fi at this cafe. So the person behind the counter kind of gestured towards her ears and there was a miscommunication, so they asked again, do you have the Wi-Fi password? I only need the Wi-Fi password. Uh, person behind the counter gestured, pointed to the sign and there's some confusion happening. And then I could see where this is going. The tourist looked at the person behind the counter and said, what are you, deaf? I need the Wi-Fi password, that's it. So those are those moments where you're faced with the situation and you know you can try to handle it. And so I decided to get up and politely go over to them and say, hey, you know, actually there's no Wi-Fi down the street. There's a great coffee shop you can go to. So they were on their way. I sat back down and uh, about five minutes after that, the employee came over and, and set this on my table. And I must have been at table 17. No words were exchanged, just a smile and a thank you. And those are those moments where goodwill transcends culture and you connect with a human being in a way that you didn't expect. I'll never forget that moment. So I'm going to put India into a, some scale for you. Um, I found a great map of India and how it being superposed of the United States. The United States is roughly three times the size of India in terms of geographical area, but the populations are vastly different. 1.3 billion versus 330 million. What's interesting is that Delhi, the Delhi metro area, is roughly the same size in square miles to the Las Vegas Valley, which includes Boulder City and North Las Vegas and Henderson. But the populations are vastly different, 18 million versus about 2.3 million and rising. So it's crowded in Delhi. And the scale of issues that you're facing is overwhelming. So being asked to do a humanitarian project, I, I had a hard time figuring out where to start. And it took me a long time, but I came up with three things I wanted to start with. I wanted to start local. So our local Rotary Club that I was uh, sponsoring me had an educational vocational center in the largest slum colony in Delhi. So I latched onto that because that's where my skill set was at the time. 
I knew I had to start small. I had only 12 months and a certain amount of money, and I, I couldn't create a whole new school, so I worked within one. That st- meant just me cleaning at first and making the space happy and safe um, and clean as possible for the women and the children that were there. And then I had to start gently. That meant showing up four days, five days a week, so that my face was less of a stranger, but more of someone that was familiar, and I knew it weren't going away. Uh, this is a well-known quote. What's interesting after reflecting about my experience is, although you can shake the world in gentle ways, you often don't expect to get shook back. And the learning that took place at the Kusumpur Community Center was tremendous. Um, the Rotary Club had set up a beautiful center for women to learn new trades and for children of preschool up to early elementary to learn new skills. They had a positive presence, a po- positive presence in the community already, which is one reason why I wanted to join in and build on top of that. But the center was facing multiple structural and sanitary needs, as well as the community. Um, right outside of the center, a water truck would come twice a week. I realized this after a few months, that these jugs would be lined up twice a week, and I didn't know why. I brought in a friend to help me translate, and I realized that this is the only chance that week that these women have to get water for cooking, cleaning, and washing. Inevitably, there was more jugs than water. So arguments would happen all the time, and you would see women walk away with half-filled jugs or not filled at all. There's also sanitation issues. There wasn't a working latrine that I saw when I was there. Um, It was open sewage, open sewage lines, and it often ran out into um, pooled areas that children had access to. I didn't see any playing in it, but had access, which we know is a breeding ground for polio. The community center phase one project for me was uh, fixing the structure inside and outside, uh, cleaning it up, replastering some of the walls, and uh, looking towards uh, repainting the outside. But what I also found out after months being there is that some of the children and women weren't coming because they didn't feel safe. Oftentimes, livestock or people who weren't supposed to be there would walk straight in because there wasn't a safety fence. So we got that built. And then there were sanitation issues. There was nowhere to go to the restroom close by, except for outside in the open. And so these were the restrooms, but they didn't have locks, and you could see right in, and they were starting to overflow. So I was able to contract through Rotary some local workers, and we got it cleaned out, we got them rebuilt, and then the inside ventilated. We started here with the restrooms, and we ended here. We got them locked, we got them private, and we got them emptied, which kept the children and women there longer and for more of the time. We started here with the school, and we got to here. The mural on the outside had an unexpected consequence. Uh, It brought smiles to people's faces that I didn't see before. It was welcoming. It felt safe, which allowed more women and more children to come more often. But there's more to this than just the structure. It was about the stakeholders, the Rotarians that were passionate about this project since the beginning. Uh, My host Rotarian is right next to me. He was a past district governor, and he's also the chair of the South Asia Committee for the World Health Organization, vital in uh, helping to end polio in in India. But more important than these people uh, was the celebration that we had with the children and the women and the teachers. These were some of the teachers and the director of the school, and these were the students that we helped serve. This experience directly impacted what I do today. Rotary directly impacted how I chose to live my life and go forward. I can't thank Rotary enough for that. 
So coming home was a bit of a culture shock to say the least. I came back to Las Vegas, um, luckily, because I applied for Teach for America, and they sent me to Las Vegas, where I had graduated from at, um, in Clark County. And uh, I've been reconnected with Rotary in a way that was unexpected. Two years ago, I was feeling I needed to rekindle this relationship, so I sought out Will Beckley. Uh, Cheryl was my first administrator, and I met Shannon, and I interviewed, and they offered me the position. And being here has allowed me to take the ideals that you've instilled in me and be able to serve the educators and students that we serve at Beckley. It's about investing in the next generation. We took this picture while in the field. These children worked all day and went to school at night in the dark with a lantern. What you're doing at Will Beckley is no small thing. Today's young people at our school are tomorrow's Rotarians. You have the opportunity to instill in them what it means to live service above self. They may not realize it now, but as they grow up, the wheel is going to seem familiar to them. I was in India. I couldn't read anything, but I saw a wheel, and I knew that was a safe place to go. They're going to hear the name Rotary, and they're like, I think I remember hearing that name when I was in elementary school. What is that about? And then you catch them in Rotaract and Interact. You have the power to nurture an entire generation of Rotarians. And I urge you to keep doing what you're doing because it made a difference for me. Thank you. So are there questions? I've been told it's Q&A time. Yeah. What's the average family size? So she asked, what's the average family size? And I want to say up front, I am by no means an expert um, of Indian culture or Indian statistics. But, um, so I can't say exactly. But what I did find that was interesting was that there is a structure in which you live with your family your whole life. Some, and this is a, I don't mean to overgeneralize, but there are families who stay together and they live in the same home. And it's this beautiful idea of never leaving your parents because they've raised you and then it's time for you to take care of them. So I saw that structure many times and that was really wonderful. I have a frivolous question, but I'm going to ask it nonetheless. Um, could you tell us what uh, dish you uh, tried and liked the best and uh, kind of explain to us what's in it? Yes. <laughs> Got to be daring. Come on. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, narrow it down. Um, there, there's, yeah, there's definitely the curry. Um, what I loved the most was something called paneer. You can't find it much here. Uh, my wife learned to make it. She, she took some cooking classes while she was there. Um, but it's this wonderful, like, cheese-curdled milk uh, situation that when it goes into anything, it becomes delicious. It can go with curry. It can go with uh, any type of sauce, and, and I missed that. But there's a richness to the spices. Where I, in, North Del in North India, food isn't too spicy like in South India, so it's more about the flavor. So paneer mixed with a really rich sauce is what I miss. Talk to us a little bit about the challenges of communication. You referred once to a, a translator that you used. Did you do that all the time? Could you speak to that a little bit, please? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. So the official language of India is technically English, but then you arrive and you realize that's sort of official, but then everybody speaks some kind of Hindi and English or Urdu and English. I often use the translator. All my classes at the, at the school were all in English, so I got lucky there. Uh, but anytime I was in 
the community Kusumpur, I had to bring a translator in order to um, get anything done. So there was real language issues, but most of the time, in most places, I was able to get by with a little bit of English and a little bit of Hindi. Yes, Rose? So I have a question about the food. Yes. Because I have a lot of Indian clients, and any time I'd go to their home to sign paperwork, they'd always treat me with a meal first, right? It's always food first, and then you talk business. And the spice level started very low and escalated. So where on that scale are you with the spices from 1 to 10? Well, uh, I looked at my principal because right before winter break, we had a spice sauce challenge. And I miserably failed about halfway through, and I ended in tears. Um, so I'd like to say I'm a solid five, but I'm like a cautious two, I think. Uh, Daniel, <clears throat> you said that uh, India is one third the size of the United <clears throat> one third the size of the United States, with a population of 1.3 billion, which is four times the United States. Uh, I know China had its restrictions. I think China has raised all its restrictions. Uh, what about the population growth? Uh, is it exploding, uh, or is it going to just stay at 1.3 billion? That's a question I would love to know the answer to. And I, and I, I know China had recently opened it up. India, I hadn't heard of any um, restrictions on family growth or population growth. Um, so the short answer is I don't know, but I would love to find out. I'm sorry, I don't know more about that. Marie? Daniel, um, you built this wonderful center. Do you know of any other centers that were built after you left? I know that the Rotary Club I was attached to has just recently opened an eye clinic, and now they're starting to provide free procedures for cataracts and helping people who have issues. Um, but on top of that, I don't know what's happened in the center, if there's been multiple centers built in that colony. I've heard, I just was reading last week, that um, the, the Delhi Development Authority, the DDA, is starting to raise all of the slum colonies um, and move out the people to other areas. Because this, what I didn't tell you is this community is directly backed up to one of the wealthiest communities in Delhi. And this is a, something that you face in India, the stark juxtaposition of the most dire poverty you've ever witnessed with some of the most intense wealth you've ever seen physically next to each other. And reconciling that in your mind was hard and tough. And so this was right behind, the, right behind the airport and right behind the richest community in Delhi. Um, so the development authority is starting to move these communities out. The problem is there's 60,000 people. And where are you going to put 60,000 people? Hey, Daniel, over here. So uh, tell us about your beautiful, wonderful, sainted wife who's following you around these things you do. Thank you for asking that. Um, she's, she, she's pregnant right now. And we're, Congratulations. We're, yeah. um, I married up. I think that's a good way to put it. She's the most intelligent... Uh, wonderful, gentle human being that, that I've ever met. Um, she 
she's, she's wonderful. And I'm sorry I didn't bring her because I think you would love her. All of you would love to meet her. And we're going to welcome our new son in uh, late April. Uh, it's our first son. And uh, I'm kind of freaking out. But uh, I am also overjoyed by the whole thing. So um, sharing that experience together, is, we talk about it almost every day. Uh, the fact that we are able to go together and, and experience all of that with one another um, is something that we're, we can't wait to share with our son. So thank you for asking that. Right here. We've got another one right here, Daniel. Um, I was curious, can you tell us a little bit about the markets and bazaars in India? I understand they're really incredible. Uh, absolutely incredible. And there's a market for everything, and you have your favorite market. Not unlike Las Vegas, where you kind of have your favorite shopping mall uh, or shopping strip. You have your favorite market that has everything you need. Um, and the more you go, the better deals you get. Because the people see you, and I told you about negotiation. There's a friendliness. There's a gamesmanship in negotiation. And you always can tell when you've reached the end of negotiation because there's a smile that comes at you like, yeah, you reached my bottom price, and I reached where I'm going to go. And so the more you go, the better prices you get, the better friends you make. So you, the best market is probably the one that's closest to you. Daniel, right here. Right here. Um, you talked about the juxtaposition of the bridge against the poor. Um, what is it that uh, you see happening as a result of interaction between those two communities? Do they, do they uh, shun each other? Do they communicate with each other? Tell me a little about that. <clears throat> My host family had um, someone who lived with them. They called their, their servant. His name was uh, Chandar Singh. He had been with them for 50 years since he was 14. Um, he goes back to his village twice a, twice a year to see his family. Um, witnessing that relationship is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Um, there's a love there that, that's hard to describe. There's also an employment ship. Um, but there's also a distance between them. And that's not unlike the relationship you see between people and castes in, in the society. Um, at the risk of overgeneralizing, because there's no way you can describe this because India is so complex. Um, there's an awareness of the poverty. There's an effort to, to, to combat it. Um, but it's there. And, and it's, it's part of everyday life. Um, but generally, people are aware of it. I, don't, I didn't see a lot of shunning of what was going on. Is there any place in town that, uh, that you eat at now, Indian food, that uh, yeah. represents the kind of food that you had? Yeah, oh my gosh. So, uh, one right it? up the street. Um, we, have, we had some parents at our school who, last year, they own a restaurant. I think it's the India Masala Palace, uh, right down the street. And they brought their food, and I was immediately transported, which doesn't happen often. I was right back where I was in India. So... Um, yeah, that's the one that I would recommend the most, that that's been closest. It's, I think it's just half a mile down the street by Maryland, yeah. And the other thing was, uh, were you ever exposed to any Ayurvedic medicine that's uh, it's being revived in the United States? It's some of the classes from ancient Ayurveda, 5,000 years ago health is being taught at Harvard Medical School now. Did you get your pulse read by Avija or anything like that? I did not have that experience. Um, my host family had, both of their sons were doctors in the United States, gastroenterologists. So 
I think they, they stayed more on the western side there, but I didn't experience that. Daniel, can you talk about uh, any experience you might have had with the religious um, friction in the country between the Muslims, the Hindus, the Christians? Um, yeah. It's very prevalent now. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I witnessed anything uh, explicitly a with Hindus and Muslims. Uh, that was, we talked more about that theoretically in class. I can talk about my own experience. My host family was um, Sikh, and Sikh men are turbaned. Um, I didn't realize the conditioning I had uh, walking into India and seeing turbaned men, because the images of turbaned men that I've had were different than the men that I've met. And reconciling that and having to break that down and understand that a turban doesn't signal one thing or another. It's a human being that we need to get to know. And getting to know my host family in that way was powerful because it, it unhoused some presuppositions that I held that I didn't know I had. Um, so I can speak to that experience, yeah. Any other questions? Kind of on the heels of Ted's question, uh, did you find that there was a uh, prevailing religion in India? Was there one that was more dominant than the rest? Great question. Uh, there, I think that it is pocketed. Um, in India, it's a conglomeration of basically everything you can think of. Um, so I think there are areas that are more Muslim and definitely pockets in, in, in Delhi that were more Muslim communities, more Sikh communities, Hindu communities. Um, but there was, it's pretty cosmopolitan. Um, Interestingly, my host family came from the Pakistan side of India before partition. They, were, uh, they had to leave Pakistan because of the partition. Um, so that was an interesting religious uh, history that they were able to tell me about. So we know that South Africa is the current rugby world champions. Let me just re remind you all of that. But did you get to see the World Cup winning Indian cricket team at all? Fortunately, I did not. I watched them on television a lot with my host family, uh, but I didn't see them in person. I have a question. Before going on your trip, did you ever attend Ryla? I did not. I came to Rotary through a college professor who is now the president of the Thousand Oaks Club. He tapped me on the shoulder one day and he said, hey, there's something I'd like to tell you about. And uh, two years later, that's where I was. But I, prior to that, my dad had attended Rotary meetings as a pastor and given uh, many different speeches and had attended as a Rotarian for a while. Registration closes next, Friday, next Saturday, the 1st of February. You I thought that was coming. I thought that was coming. <laughs> well, thank you for your time, and I appreciate it. Daniel, amazing experience you had. Thank you for sharing it with us. It was just... What an experience, and I know Shantae's looking forward to her time in Israel when she is finally given the nod. So thank you very much for sharing your story. I'd like to present you with our Share What You Can Award, which means that we're giving a donation to the local USO in your name. In the words of a woman I most admire, Amelia Earhart, no kind action ever stops with itself. One kind action leads to another. Let's leave today building connections, taking kind action, serving one another, and rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Meeting adjourned. <laughs> <laughs>
We hope you enjoyed the latest podcast from the Las Vegas Rotary Club. For more information about future meetings, membership, and our local service projects, please visit lasvegasrotary.com. Now please go out, take action, and connect the world.